0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. The title of my talk tonight is Messy Mindsets. Messy Mindsets. You know it's a good title, right? I thought about it over the week. I was like, that's pretty good. I gave myself a pat on the back. Messy Mindsets. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. It says, he went away from there and came to his hometown and his... And his disciples followed him, and on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished. son Shane, Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown amongst his relatives and in his own household. And he could not do mighty works there except he laid hands on a few sick people and he healed them. And he was marveled because of their unbelief. He was marveled because of their unbelief. Jesus uh, was from a, a small town called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth wasn't something that you would think of as this great metropolis. It wasn't just the, the center and the hub of everything. It actually was, was a place where uh, it, it was a blue-collar working town. It was, it was a town where people would work hard for what they had. A lot of them, it was actually, you know, they would have to commute to work. They were either on a route bringing from their farm and trying to sell it in the markets in the bigger cities, or they were, you know, like Jesus and his family, carpenters, and doing handiwork with their hands. But it was not a town that was known for great things. It wasn't like Orange County. See, Orange County, we are known around the world. Everyone's like, oh, you're from Orange County? Man, I heard the beaches are amazing. I heard you guys have Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm, all these different things. But that's not what Nazareth was. Right. Nazareth was a place that, that no one was thinking of. Right. Nazareth was a, was a place that, that no one really cared about. It was just kind of there. It, it, it needed to be there because they needed the jobs that it provided. But besides that... That what they could do for them was about is the extent of the importance of that town. And this is where Jesus came from. Nazareth was a small town. And Jesus was from there and he was doing miracles all around the world at this time. All around the known world, Jesus was traveling with his disciples, healing people. His blind eyes were being opened. Paralyzed people began to walk. Sick people were being healed. Dead people were even being risen from the dead. And then Jesus came to his hometown and he could not do anything. See, it says they, know, they had known about the works that he was doing all around the known world, but yet still they, they did not believe. And then I began to ask myself, where did this unbelief come from? See, in John chapter, uh, John chapter 1, we see uh, when Philip goes up to Nathanael, he says, Philip found Nathanael and said to them, We have found him who Moses and the law also, the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And, Na- and Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That shows you the perspective of what Nazareth was. And my, my, the, the question I begin to pose myself is, did the people of Nazareth begin to take on the perspective of everyone else? Did they begin to define themselves as saying, can anything great come from Nazareth because everyone else thought that? And so this mindset began to settle in in the place of Nazareth that, that nothing great will ever come from here. Nothing and no one. It's going to be mediocre, and that's about it. We are going to hit the middle. We're going to do what we got to do, but nothing great can come from Nazareth. They begin to allow what everyone else said about them, thought about them, their perspective of them, to define their mindset and how they saw themselves. And Nazareth began to think of themselves as something that would just be okay. They had a mess, and this mess was their mindset. The mindset that they would never be anything better than they were right now. The mindset that, that, that not just them, but anyone around them would never be greater than they are right now. That not just them or anyone around them would never do anything greater than they're doing right now. They are subject to their career. They're subject to what they did. They're subject to their family. They're subject to their actions. They're subject to the way they grew up. Sometimes is this the mindset that we have with God? I want to begin to challenge us as a church. Do we, as a, do we have a Nazareth mindset with God? That God, this is who I am. This is where I come from. This is what I've always done. So this is just who I am. This is, just, this is just what I do. Or maybe that's what everyone else has been saying since we were younger. Because since we were young, there's always been labels. And now that we're at this place in life, we begin to say, you know what? This is just who I am. This is just what I do. And this is just where I come from. And we begin to limit what God wants to do in our life because we have a mess in our mindset. We have a mess of thinking we will never be anything greater than we are right now. We will never be anyone greater. We'll never do anything greater. We will never be free. We will never be whole. We will never be forgiven. We will never be uh, 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 in, in prosperity. We'll never have the blessings and the promises of God because this is just who I am or, or or maybe our mindset is with God that we've been in church long enough see I grew up in church so I've heard a lot of worship songs right maybe our mindset is yeah, yeah I've seen this before yeah that's pretty good oh man yeah Easter Sunday at the Bren, we did Bren before that was pretty cool oh well, yeah this worship set we sang this worship song last week you know they need to switch it up a little bit you know I'm being honest, church people, man, we can get critical, right? I'm the only one who's honest, all right? We can get critical sometimes. We walk in, oh, this song again? Didn't he preach on this verse last Palm Sunday? Didn't he preach on this last Easter? Didn't he preach on this last Christmas? And we begin to limit what God wants to do in a season because we say, oh, well, this is just, you know, this is just what we do. I guess we don't switch it up anymore. And we begin to limit it because of our Nazareth mindset. See, in Nazareth, they saw everyone as their family. It was was his uncles, it was aunts. See, in Nazareth, everyone was related. It's kind of like Louisiana, where my parents are from. (laughs) Somehow, in Louisiana, everyone is related, even my parents. I'm not joking, they're fifth cousins, come on, in Jesus' name. So if you're wondering why something is wrong with me, blame my parents, all right? And so it's so If Cajuns. That's why, you know, they're all related. Hey, don't ask me. That's why I married a Mexican, make sure we weren't related, you know? I was like, we are not going to be related in Jesus' name. What are we talking about? All right, our messes and our mindsets. See, they begin to define Jesus because they knew him. They've known him since he grew up. They've known him since he was a little kid. Like I said, they were the aunts, the uncles, the friends, the people he grew up with. And they knew him, so they limited him by who he was. See, a mindset is dangerous because it goes beyond your circumstance. Because things could be good, but if you have a wrong mindset, in your mind, things are still bad. God could be trying to bless you, but you have a mindset of, oh, he's not going to bless me, and so we never get blessed. Or, or, or maybe we're walking in a mindset of I'm anxious, I'm just an anxious person. And when God wants to bring a peace that surpasses all understanding, we don't walk in it because our mindset is this is just who I am. Or maybe we're, we're, we walk in a constant state of temptation and the same addiction over and over again. And God is saying, I want to make you free and free indeed. But we have a mindset of we will never be free from this addiction. This is just who we are. This is just what we'll struggle with. And we limit ourselves from walking in the promises that God has called us to be. Maybe we're depressed and you say, you know what? I'm just kind of moody. I'm just kind of a moody person. And, and, and I'm just never going to really break this. But, but God says, I, I, I can give you a joy. I'm the source of all hope, the source of all peace, the source of all joy. There's something else. But we sometimes limit what we walk in because of the mindsets we have. Or you know what? You know, my, my family will just will always be broke. We'll, always, we will, we'll never have enough. We'll never have enough. And we declare that over our finances. We declare that even beyond that, even just our family. See, finances aren't everything. Prosperity is more than just finances. But we begin to declare, we'll just never have enough. We're just always going to just barely get by, barely get there. And then God is say, no, I have an open door. I have promises that I want you to walk in, but our mindsets begin to limit us. See, the people of Nazareth allowed themselves to determine who he was by what he did. Instead of seeing him as God and what God destined him to be, they just saw, them by, saw him by what he did. Instead of seeing him as king, savior, messiah, the savior of the world, they saw him just as a carpenter. See, the difference between carpenter and king is a carpenter is what this person does for me. A king is what can I do for you? See, they begin to to see his perspective by what he did, not by who he was. And it began to limit what God wanted to do there. they saw him as imperfect. And when I was studying this, one of the theologians had an amazing thought. He said maybe they saw him as imperfect because they didn't want to submit to him. Because anything that's perfect, we will want to submit to. But we won't submit to things that are imperfect. So maybe sometimes with God, we're looking for things that, that, that we feel make him imperfect so we don't have to submit to those areas in our life. See, maybe it's finances that we feel like God is imperfect in because we don't actually want to submit our finances to God. Or maybe it's the anxiety that we're dealing with and saying, God, I'm still struggling with this anxiety, but it's actually a comforting thing because it's something that we almost can control. And instead of giving it to God and saying, God, I trust you with this area, we say, you know what? I'm actually not going to believe in that. And we begin to limit what God wants to do because we don't want to submit to something that we feel is imperfect. We look at our messes. We look at our flaws. We look at our shortcomings. We look at the things that maybe God hasn't done and we say, well, God is imperfect so I I don't have to submit to this. If God was good, then why would this happen to me? If God did miracles, then why didn't he heal my relative? If God loved me, then why does no one else love me? If God provided then why don't I have it all that I need? And we begin to look for these disqualifying things in God and we allow them to become mindsets and then we don't submit to it because we feel like God is imperfect in this area. See, the brokenness of our world does not speak to the imperfection of our God. It speaks to the need for Him. See, we see the brokenness of our world as, as God's not in this. God's, God's not in this world. Do you see all that's going on? Do you see the division? Do you see the hurt? Do you see the pain? Do you see the lack? Do you see the brokenness? Do you see the sick people? Do you see all these different things? And we say, God, where are you? God, where are you? And we begin to automatically define God as imperfect because our world is imperfect. But actually, that's why we need God in the first place. And can we submit to God when everything doesn't make sense? The thing I hated the most when my dad would tell me when I was growing up, Jake, submission doesn't begin when you agree. It begins when you disagree. I'm like, well, I disagree right now. So what do I? It's easy to submit to God when everything is going our way. See, when circumstances hit you in life, it's not the enemy all the time attacking you. Maybe God is just saying, I'm trying to stretch you a little bit. I'm trying to remove some Nazareth from your mindset. You're thinking the old way. You're, you're living the old way. You're believing the old way. There's something I got to remove from your mindset because God is trying to do something new in you. But we take these things that are pressing us and we say, oh, that's the enemy. That's the enemy. That's the enemy. But God is saying, no, it's not the enemy. I'm trying to pull you from one season to the next because God does not want us to stand still. Anything that is not growing is dead. And oftentimes spiritually, we are okay with being at a plateau with where at our greatest moments with God. But God is saying your moments will only get greater and greater, but also your, your pressing will get greater and greater. And every time I press you, it's a new mindset being broken. Because get this, in Nazareth, it said he healed a few sick people. Now, I know a lot of you in this room. I grew up in church, grew up in a Pentecostal church. Services went two hours long. It was crazy. I'm like, no one needs to hear the Bible for this long, but Whatever. <laughs> I know in this church and in my church, if a few sick people got healed, some of y'all would be doing a lap around the like the whole building. You're just like, whoo, you'd be throwing your shoes off. You'd be like, what is going on? Pull out your shofar from where did that come from? Like, we don't know. <laughs> I'm telling you, for me, if I was in a service and I saw a few sick people be healed, Man, I'm about to be getting turned. I'd be going crazy. I'm like, all right, this is legit. This is legit. Right? I grew up in church. i seen it also. if I saw some, somebody who, who gets sick, and it said he laid a hand on a few sick people. So what that challenges me to say is that their mindsets limit him from doing something more. Because if, it, it said he could do no miracles, that he healed a few sick people. So that should beg the question, what did God actually want to do in Nazareth? What did God actually want to do in Nazareth? And let me ask this question. What does God actually want to do in our lives? What does God actually want to unlock in your life? That being in a mindset of complacency, a mindset of I'll never be out of this place, a mindset of hurt, a mindset of brokenness, a mindset of unforgiveness, we limit what God actually wants to do and we don't believe for more. See, as long as we are breathing, God is desiring for us to believe for more. As long as we are living on this earth, God desires for us to believe for more. More of his spirit, more of his grace, more of his miracles, more of his, more, more of his, his love, more of his character becoming our character. And each and every day we have a moment, but let's not be like Nazareth and limit God to what he did in the past. Let's not live in our miracle from last year. Let's not live in our miracle from last week. Are we taking what we're getting on Sunday to operate in our mindset on Monday? Are we having miracles at our job? Are we having miracles in our household? Because God was not containing the spirit to this building right here. But he says, there's miracles that I'm waiting to break out in your life. But there's some mindsets that are stopping me. See, sometimes we get so okay with coming to church just to feel good for a moment. An hour and 15 minutes makes me feel good for the week, and I'm good. And that mindset right there limits what God actually wants to do each and every week in this church, each and every week in your life, each and every week in your family, is treating God to a day on the calendar. We have now limited God to a day on the calendar. We have now limited God to a time frame on our schedule rather than allowing him to operate each and every moment in our life to operate each and every minute in our life. That we could be at work and God could speak and say, go here, I need you to do this. And we'd be like, yes God, I'm listening. Let's do it. I need you to pray for that person. They're sick. I'm going to bring a healing. I need you to speak a word of prophecy over their life because they need to know that I love them. I need you to walk in freedom because your message is going to begin to set some people free. But we cannot limit God to a calendar. We cannot limit God to a service. We cannot limit God by our mindsets. But God is saying, There is so much more I want to do in your life. There is so much more I want you to walk in. There is so much more. See, God's plan for your mess, your mindset, is to do a miracle. And your mess becomes His message. Some of us were preaching the same message from the first time we met God. God's, God's stirring up some new messages in here. So why am I in this mess? Because there's a new message coming. Why am I going through what I'm going through? Because God has needed to speak something new in this season in your life. You need to reach some new people. So God's plan for your mess, God's, the, the mess that you're walking in, the mindset that you may have, God is breaking that off, and he's going to do a miracle in your life, not for your gain, not for your prosperity, not for your bank account, but for a message that he wants to give to his people out there. When was the last time we went outside and we talked to someone who did not know God, who did not speak our language, who did not understand the revelation of who Jesus was, and we delivered our message? not a sermon we listen to on a podcast. The greatest message that you can have that will bring freedom is your message. And what has God done in your life? And what has God done in your family? And what has God done in your finances? Because only that is what brings freedom says this it says we are overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony so when god's blood comes into our life and makes us new and sets us free there's now a message that is ignited on the inside of you and each and every season you walk through is a new message for somebody else i don't know about you but i don't want to be 75 years old and preaching the same message i am today that means i limited god in my time here on earth says in the book of James that that time here on earth is but a vapor. See, for me, I'm having my first kid, I'm married. I feel like I have my whole life ahead of me. But soon I'm going to look back and be like, where did that go? And the last thing I want to say is, man, I had a lot more messages in me that I didn't preach. I had a lot more messages in me that I didn't share with someone because I allowed my mindsets to stop the messages that God was birthing on the inside of me because it was making me feel uncomfortable. Your mess will make you feel uncomfortable. Your mess will sometimes hurt. Your mess will sometimes stretch you. Your mess will sometimes make you not wanna come to church. But come on, I feel that, who's being honest in here? Someone's like, I didn't wanna come tonight. (laughs) Come on. Someone got dragged here tonight, but Lord, the mess is becoming a message in Jesus' name. This is amazing. Our messes, God is looking to do a miracle in our mess, and that mess becomes his message. He, oh, you don't believe me? All right. The leading skeptic in Nazareth was Jesus' half-brother, James. He was the one, like me, this, this would have been me. I already know this would have been me. He was getting the crowd. Come on, you guys know who this is. This is Joseph's son. Don't don't buy this act. Because that was his half-brother. He grew up with him. It's like, you guys, come on, this is my my half-brother. This is your cousin. I, I get that he's doing miracles and all that, but it has to be, he cannot be the son of God. And he began to stir this up uh, in in all of Nazareth. And he was the leading skeptic that began to lead to this unbelief. He's saying, come on, guys, are you serious? That was his mindset. That was his mess. He's saying, hey, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come on. We're just Nazareth. He's just a carpenter. Come on. He's not going to do miracles. He's not going to heal you. Quit believing for that. That's just Jesus, the guy we grew up with. Come on. And there was a mindset that he had. But it says, and I think it's 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus showed up to James before he went up to heaven. See, Jesus died on the cross, and that's what we'll celebrate on Friday. On Easter, he raised back from the dead. But he wasn't done after that. He was on mission, and he went to specific people to give them specific messages, and get this, the last person, and the keys can come up, on finishing. The last person he went to was his half-brother, James. And he said, James, I know you got a mess in your mindset, but it's all good. I just want to let you know I am who I says I was. And I'm not done with you, James. I need you to tell people your story. Because your mess has a message on the inside. And there's people who need, James, your message. So James, from this conversation, he goes, I don't know, this isn't in the Bible, so this is just me. I believe he goes home and he puts pen to paper and he begins to write his message. He begins to write out the miracle that God had done. See, the book of James was believed to be the first book written in the New Testament. Before the Gospels, before the letters and the epistles, before the book of Revelation, obviously. This was the, last, the, the first book in the New Testament. There was something on the inside of James that when he got his miracle, he couldn't hold in his message. So he put pen to paper. And you know what the theme of James is? Active faith. He was writing to believers. He was writing to people who already knew God. He was writing to the church. And he was saying, guys, things like faith without works is dead. Come on, do you believe life is but a vapor? Oh, when difficult times come your way, don't give up. Keep endurance. Keep believing. See, the people he was writing to were people in a mess. The people James was writing to were believers that were scattered, that were overlooked, that were undervalued, and they were hurting, and they were in pain. They had divides in their family. They had divides between each other. They had people that were sick and needing healing. They were people in imprisonment. And, G- and James was writing to them and saying, guys, he is who he says he is. Can you continue to believe? And this is the same guy who convinced the whole town not to believe for miracles. His mess became his message his mess became his mandate and he began to put pen to paper i believe there's a lot of messes in this room i believe there's some mindsets that are holding us back i believe there's some maybe family history or or mistakes we've made or 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 things we've been stuck in that god is trying to do something new on the inside of us As I was studying, I thought of a verse in the Old Testament. It was when King Solomon had finished the temple. He'd put the finishing touches on it. It was beautiful gold, opulence, everything. It was amazing. He was giving people tours. He's like, look at this. This is amazing. Look at this. But the last thing they had to do was they had to bring the Ark of the Covenant and they had to set it in the Holy of Holies. So, as they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant, they had a big parade. Similar to what we will be bringing to the Brent Center, a parade of people believing, praising. Come on. They were worshiping. They were like, God, we can do this. Come on. They're excited. They're clapping their hands. They're worshiping. And the priests, and they go, and they go, set the Ark of the Covenant and the Holy of Holies. See, at this time, no one else can access God but the priest. At this time, no one else could be in the presence of God but the priest. And what would happen would be is the priests would go in the Holy of Holies. They would hear what God had to say. And they would come out to the people and say, this is what God said. But something was different this day. As they went to go and put the Holy of Holies, this is where we pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 8. And it says, when the priest came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord. So that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. See, we, 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 when Jesus died, there's something that was broken. It says the veil was torn. So that, that, that day and age where the priests would be the only ones who could encounter God, it began to be broken. Not everyone has access. But this story in Kings is a New Testament encounter in the Old Testament. That God gave us a preview of what we would have when he died on the cross. And so what happened was the veil was torn when Jesus died, giving us access. And it says that we, as our bodies and our spirit and our soul, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So let me ask us a question today. When was the last time the Holy Spirit interrupted our regularly scheduled program in life? See, the priest came in to do a job. They go into the presence. They go tell everyone about it. But in 1 Kings chapter 8, something changed it. It says they could not go back, they could not do what they were set out to do. They could not do their normal job. They could not do their regular worship. They could not do their regular church service because the Holy Spirit showed up in that temple. See, I believe that the Holy Spirit is more than something we just feel and gives us goosebumps. But anytime we step into the Holy Spirit, it should change a mindset. It should challenge the way we're living. It should challenge how we're thinking. It should challenge how we're believing. It should challenge what we're what we're standing on. It should begin to it, innate change. We should not be able to go through what we would normally do. We should not be able each and every Sunday just to do the same thing. Because when the Holy Spirit shows up in a room, you cannot go around with your regularly scheduled program so if we wonder why we're walking in the same thing in life when was the last time the Holy Spirit interrupted your schedule when was the last time the Holy Spirit interrupted your day interrupted your your life we almost have to schedule God into our life rather than letting God lead us and guide us and say God interrupt my mindset today interrupt me today change me today the holy spirit was never just sent to be a comforter that's a part of it he's a counselor he's a convictor Ooh, there's moments that god needs to say hey that mindset you have towards that people group is not right oh yeah i'll get real we look at a people group that maybe oh we grew up thinking one thing about and the holy spirit saying no no that's my son that's my daughter why are you thinking that God wants to do a miracle with your mess. And he wants that mess to become your message. But the only way that happens is if we allow the Holy Spirit to interrupt our regularly scheduled program. The only way a mindset can be broken is by the presence of God. And the presence of God, like I said, isn't just goosebumps and feeling good in a worship song, but it's saying, God, I am giving you my nature in this. I'm giving you this mindset. No longer am I gonna believe like this. No longer am I gonna think like this. No longer am I gonna sit to talk like this and and to act like this and to walk like this. God, let me believe for more. God, I know that I've been hurt because you didn't do that miracle in the past, but God, I'm gonna believe for miracles again. God, I know that I feel like I've been in lack, but I'm gonna believe that you're looking for me. God, I know that I feel like I'm alone but I'm going to know that you're my comforter and my counselor. God, I know that I'm anxious but you're going to give me a peace that surpasses all understanding. God, I know that I'm worried. God, I know that I'm depressed. God, I know that I'm overwhelmed but I know that there is a God who says I am who I say I am and there's some mindsets we're no longer walking in. There's some mindsets we're no longer living in because the Holy Spirit has come to interrupt our regularly scheduled program in the 5 p.m. service here at Free chapel orange county and he's saying tonight is your night tonight is your night to walk in freedom tonight is your night to believe for more tonight is your night to step out of that mess that you've been walking in and living in god i'm accepting your nature can we stand to our feet i'm finishing Tonight, I think we need to have an opportunity just to get with God. Say, God, I need you to break some mindsets. I grew up in church. Trust me. I got a lot of mindsets about church that I each and every day say, God, break this off my life. We've all been hurt. We've all been done wrong. We've all seen things that we wish we didn't see. We've all been through hurts and pains and and journeys, but God says your mess is a message. And there's the keys to the message tonight, and God is unlocking it in some of you. I believe that, and I feel it. He's interrupting our regularly scheduled program for someone to respond and say, God, I need you to break some mindsets. It says this in Romans, says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. That when the Holy Spirit truly enters our heart and in our soul there's a renewing not just of our soul and our spirit but of our minds there's mental illnesses that god will heal depression that god will heal addictions that god will heal mindsets that god will heal but i believe it takes a response pastor jensen said this and i'm probably gonna say it wrong because he's a wordsmith but i'm gonna say it the best i know how the the way i remember it. it says a natural response always activates a supernatural response that that it takes us to step out naturally for God to move supernaturally so as we go back into this worship song and the worship set comes up let's allow the Holy Spirit to interrupt our regularly scheduled program and if you have some mindsets and some things that you're saying God I need this broken off of me I want you to step out of your seat thank you for listening to this week's podcast we hope you were blessed